Hi, everybody. Welcome to Trek Trek. I'm your host, Justin Chang, and with me is Randy Nelson. Hey, everybody. Welcome back. How's it going, Randy? It's us. <laughs> it's going all right. How are you, buddy? Uh, pretty good. There's been a lot of good Star Trekness uh, lately. Yeah, I, I guess that's the term, Star Trekness. I'll, I'll go with it. Uh, Star Trekosity. Yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, Star Trek Beyond just came out. Yep. It's we... awesome. I saw it twice. <laughs> yeah, I saw it once. So that's what three times between us. So I, <laughs> if I can do math, I don't think I'd. Uh, I don't think I'd do very well in Starfleet Academy. I guess so. I can't do math. Um, yeah, we saw it. It's great. Well, uh, you'll have you guys will have to stick around. And we'll maybe talk about it a little bit. Yeah, we'll we'll have a little spoiler-filled conversation uh, after this. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, the, what spoiler-free review? It's great. <laughs> yes, definitely. Uh, in addition to Star Trek Beyond, yes. uh, we got our first look at the new Star Trek TV show. Yes. Uh, which has been officially titled Star Trek Discovery. Ooh. Wait, Enterprise. Was the name of a famous sailing ship, mm-hmm. and then we have Discovery, which is another one, and a, a space shuttle. Yeah. Hey, how about that? <laughs> it's like there's a plan here. Space. <laughs> space is awesome. Uh, yeah, Star Trek Discovery. It's a uh, it's the new series by Brian Fuller. He's the showrunner, mm-hmm. and he has confirmed that it's in the prime timeline. Yeah, so like Enterprise we're watching right now, and TNG, and DS9, and all those good things. Uh, no word on when exactly this takes place, although he did uh, say it's not an anthology show. Oh, he did. See, I did. I missed that, and, and that's really interesting. Okay. Yeah, no he anthology. Said, he's said it's kind of like a novel in TV form. Yeah, okay, I did hear that comment, and that's interesting, which leads me to believe much longer story arcs, mm-hmm. not necessarily episodic. Right. So, not anthology, but not necessarily a straight-up uh, episodic uh, format. Uh, and the teaser that was shown at San Diego Comic-Con, which just happened, uh, the teaser showed off the Discovery itself. Mm-hmm. Uh, NCC 1031. Mm-hmm. Which, uh, leads me to believe it's pre-original series, but I'm not sure about the, the numbering conventions. The ship does look a little more, uh, I don't want to say basic, but mm-hmm. it doesn't look as slick as the Enterprise. Right. Well, it, to me, it actually looks like a cross between like a constellation class from you know original series and a Klingon battle cruiser. Yeah, I could see <laughs> like, that. Like it has this saucer section, and then it has uh, this wedge, like this wedge, and it actually looks a lot like. And I don't know if you've seen this or if anyone listening has seen this, but Google it if you haven't. Um, some of the original Ralph McQuarrie concept art for Star Trek, the motion picture, mm-hmm. uh, when it was going to be called planet of the Titans. Right. Um, there was a read completely redesigned enterprise. that looked a lot like this, like a saucer and a giant triangle. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So when it leaves, um, before I forget this, uh, speaking of the whole Klingon thing, the music in the teaser when it's leaving, I guess it's a starbase, um, or a construction yard in an asteroid. Uh, when it's leaving there, 
I almost want to say it sounds like Klingon music. Hmm. <laughs> I don't I don't know if that's a, a, an official type of music, but it reminded me of the music that would play whenever a bird of prey would come onto the screen or something. Yeah, I could say that, I guess. Yeah. Um, actually, wait, in, in, uh, Enterprise, haven't we be, been introduced to a starship construction yard? Oh, no, that was in, um, Into Darkness, where there was a starship construction yard that was inside of an asteroid. Mm-hmm. So it's similar to that, I guess. Uh, yeah, so the teaser is just the ship, uh, mm-hmm. leaving the dock, and a lot of people seemed underwhelmed by it. Yeah, I was gonna mention that. They, they didn't seem to either like the design of the ship or the quality of the cg right or both and to that i say this is still an early look mm-hmm. and the they have said that the design is not final oh really okay huh. i i thought it was fine i thought it, it looked different you know like it was it was uh had a unique look to it and I don't know. I I think maybe because I've watched so much of the remastered original series, I, I'm kind of okay with the more simplistic style <laughs> of the ship. Um, but yeah, I can see where people might have some complaints. But, you know, I'm just excited. I'm excited there's a new Star Trek series. Yeah. I, yeah, I can't wait to see it. Uh, after watching Star Trek Beyond, I'm very excited about all things Star Trek. Mm-hmm. And, and so the uh, one-two punch of Beyond and then Discovery was yeah was great was great timing. It's basically the same weekend I you know the same weekend we saw Beyond they announced this. It's just exciting. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know it was um, uh, the other the other thing about it that I was I was thinking um, is that you know it's oh it, actually the 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 other thing I wanted to mention was the news about. Um, well, what we now know is Star Trek Discovery, that it's actually going to be on Netflix internationally. Yes. Which I think is great. But and still, I wish it was on Netflix in the U.S. Yeah, I was going to say, it still stinks for us. Mm-hmm. We have to get uh, CBS All Access. I'm I'm really curious to see how that pans out. Uh, I hope it does okay for them. I, just for the sake of the show itself. I know. And I'm just, I'm, I'm hoping they don't base renewing this show on on subscriptions to the cbs all access Mm -hmm. it just seems like it's kind of stacking it stacking things against the show from the beginning yeah um i was hoping that we'd get some casting announcements at san diego and still nothing very secretive uh especially considering the show debuts in january Mm -hmm. i mean it's basically six months away Mm mm-hmm You'd think that there'd be something at this point, but they're at, keeping it very secretive. Yeah, just at least announce the crew or the, the captain, even or mm-hmm. a, a, an actor. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we can say that this person will be on the show. We're not saying who they play. Yeah, but just something. Uh, yeah, I mean, having them come out, Let us speculate. Having them come out at the panel would have been mm-hmm. great. But oh, that would have been huge. Imagine if they announced the whole crew. And brought them out. <laughs> Maybe they're waiting for, um, you know, the bigger Star Trek conventions or whatever. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Should be interesting, though. I'm very excited. Absolutely. Um, but uh, right now we've got a show that we're watching. It's called Enterprise. We do. And we're uh, just about halfway through the final season. Yeah. After we record this episode, we'll be 
past the halfway mark. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're going to talk about Star Trek Enterprise Season 4, Episode 11, Observer Effect. Uh, original air date, January 21, 2005. Uh, episode opens with Mayweather and Reed, who are playing chess in the mess hall. Or at least it looks like Mayweather and Reed. Uh, we hear them talking about how they are observing humans and how the crew will react to a planet uh, on which someone always dies. Ooh. It's pretty ominous. Yeah. Uh, they're just joking around, right? Well, it's not really Mayweather and Reed. Uh, it, it turns out uh, some non-corporeal aliens have assumed control of uh, Mayweather and Reed. Uh, that's the opening credits. Uh, when the episode returns, Trip and Hoshi are returning to Enterprise via a shuttle pod. They have been sifting through a Klingon garbage dump on the planet they're leaving behind. And Trip has a nasty cough. It's so bad that he can't pilot the ship. So Hoshi, who has only flown in simulations, has to fly back to Enterprise. Uh, later, Archer and Flocks go to Decon to check on Trip and Hoshi. And suddenly Hoshi starts coughing and then vomits. So whatever they've got, it's pretty bad. Yeah, those Klingons. Jeez. <laughs> uh, Reed comments to Mayweather that the humans haven't done anything differently from the Klingons they had encountered before. Mm. Uh, so he wants to stop observing. Uh, both the Klingons and Cardassians they had observed killed off the infected crew and the alien in Reed, who has been observing other species for 800 years, is not nearly as optimistic as Mayweather that humans will do anything differently than what he's seen in the past. Uh, in Decon, Hoshi reveals that she used Aikido to break her company commander's arm at Starfleet Training Center, STC, uh, because he tried to put a stop to one of the poker games she had been running. Uh, she got a bad conduct discharge and was kicked out, but she got on Enterprise because Starfleet needed a language specialist. Ooh. So there's, you know, Hoshi's not goody-goody. Uh, no, a little more backstory for her. Yeah. A very underdeveloped character. They're trying to make her more interesting. Mm-hmm. Give her a little more dimensions. Uh, in sickbay, uh, Phlox tells Archer that Trip and Hoshi have a silicon-based virus as opposed to carbon-based, uh, which means that it's not native to the M-class planet, uh, Trip and Hoshi were on. It also means that Trip and Hoshi's immune system can't fight the virus. Uh, elsewhere, Mayweather convinces Reed to inhabit the bodies of Flux and T'Pol so that they can get better observations. It is revealed that they are testing if a species is intelligent enough for first contact by watching how they react to the unknown, i.e. the virus. Uh, that system has been in place for 10,000 years. Uh, in Decon, Hoshi has broken out, but Trip stops her from opening an airlock. Uh, she has become obsessed with saying goodbye to her students back in Brazil. And Trip and Hoshi return to Decon. And Archer and Flocks tell Trip to sedate Hoshi and then himself. Mm-hmm. Mayweather convinces Reed to inhabit the bodies of Trip and Hoshi so they can talk in private. However, Flocks observes Trip and Hoshi standing up and talking. <laughs> Whoops. <laughs> uh, he listens in on their conversation and discovers that their brainwave patterns aren't human. Suddenly, Archer and T'Pol enter sickbay, but it's actually the two aliens. Uh, they erase Flux's memories, 
They also discover the Phlox has discovered a cure using radiation. Mm-hmm. They're kind of like the men in black. Yeah. They just wipe his memory. He, we were never here. <laughs> or the Jedi mind trick. Yeah. Uh, Archer and Vlox, clad in EV suits, move Trip and Hoshi to sick bay, where the radiation emitters are more precise. Unfortunately, Hoshi stops breathing, so Archer strips off his EV gloves and helmet to act as Vlox's hands, since, as Archer says, right now Enterprise needs a doctor more than it needs a captain. Oof. The aliens have never seen this sort of behavior before in all their years of observing. Uh, Hoshi dies. Archer manages to get Trip onto the bio bed, but the radiation didn't work. Archer calls to Paul and tells her that she's in command now, and then Trip dies. Uh, however, Trip wakes up and his vitals return. One of the aliens has inhabited Trip's body. He tells Archer that he's an Organian, and the other Organian inhabits Hoshi's body. Uh, Archer understands about not interfering with a species development. But he argues that Enterprise's encounter with the virus was an accident that the Organians could have prevented. Uh-huh. He tells them that they may have evolved into non-physical beings, but they've lost compassion and empathy in the process. Uh, Trip is so moved by Archer's compassion that he wants to save everyone on Enterprise. Archer tells Hoshi that if they really want to know what it means to be human, they need to do more than just observe. Interesting. Uh, later... Archer calls to Paul and Phlox and tells them that Trip and Hoshi are fine. Uh, Phlox confirms that they're cured of the virus, and he hypothesizes that it was the radiation from Trip's treatment that somehow affected all three of them. Archer wants to leave a warning beacon so that no one else will be exposed to the virus. In a turbo lift, Reed is complaining to Mayweather that they can never use the virus as a test again. Uh, Mayweather is pleased about this turn of events because he believes that after 10,000 years of this, the rules need to change. Mayweather is going to recommend that they start preparing for an official first contact mission. Reed says that at the rate humans are progressing, they'll barely have 5,000 years to prepare. Uh, quote, then we'd better get started, Mayweather says, as the episode ends. Huh. So time is of little consequence to the Organians. Yes. <laughs> Who uh, actually um, are part of the original series. Yes. They're from the episode Errand of Mercy. Right. Which was the first appearance of the Klingons. And I actually watched that episode again after watching uh, this episode of Enterprise. Mm-hmm. And uh, what did you... <laughs> no, well, we're talking about this episode. Well, I was just saying, what did you think? Well, the Organians <laughs> were weird in that one. There was some medieval times, and mm-hmm, mm-hmm. it was a weird episode. Yeah, they, they, I think they have a little bit of problem, a uh, little, little problem um, knowing how to interact with other species. <laughs> <laughs> it goes without saying, um, but it was sooner than five thousand years. True. Uh, after all, that they that they actually made contact with humanity. Um, yeah. So this episode, um, anytime the main crew is in danger, the stakes are actually very low. Mm-hmm. Because especially for Enterprise, you know, in the end, everything's going to return to the status quo. Right. Right. Like, so you're not really that worried, even when. Trip and Hoshi die, right? Quote unquote, unquote die. Yeah, yeah it, it's always a really difficult um, uh, aspect to to deal with. Mm-hmm. Um, 
So maybe write the maybe maybe plan it out so that it's not the main crew, but then how do you get them people interested in what's going on? Yeah, that's the problem. Mm-hmm. I mean, you need some sort of conflict or mm-hmm. some sort of sense of peril, but in the back of your mind, you know nothing's going to happen to these people. They're going to be okay. I mean, unless this is the series finale. Right. And they really want to mess with the fans. <laughs> um, Are you well, trying to uh, hint at something? Oh, no, no, no. No, they'd never do anything to mess with the fans in the finale. <laughs> um, I thought that it it was an interesting story. I mean, it, it was very... Um, actually, even more than Next Gen. It was, like, very original series uh star trek um just in that idea of you know aliens aliens think very differently than humans mm-hmm. you know a- the way aliens approach things is going to be very different from the way we do um and you, and you saw that you know kind of in you know how they how they approached you know vetting species to see if they were worthy of first contact and then you you had the um the the kind of moral the, the like the moral of the story even you know which was you know well maybe you guys have have by you know becoming non corporeal you've you've actually lost something right you've lost the ability to you know to have empathy or you know something like that mm-hmm. um, which you you actually need that it's missing you know you need to develop that back and so you know I felt like that was a very classic kind of star trek story mm-hmm. uh, in that respect that um, sense of humanity uh was important that yeah but but then again you know when when y- you're not you're not really worried about the people who are being affected it's it's a little less uh impactful but i mean i guess it's it's hard to do that no matter what so you just gotta kind of take it as it is and um uh, yeah, I'm sorry. Uh, I, I was just going to say, it was kind of cool to see Enterprise be on the other side of, on the other side of a first contact situation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, that's, that's, that's kind of another, you know, uh, previously treaded territory, but it was interesting to see how, um, how, uh, the Enterprise crew dealt with that. Um, also, you know, getting to see, you know, different characters acting differently because they were supposedly being inhabited by aliens. That was, that was interesting too. Um, yeah, I, I thought it was, a, it was a pretty solid standalone episode. Um, you know, it, it, it's definitely been a little jarring on Enterprise in this final season going from these, you know, three episode arcs or, you know, two episode arcs to these standalone episodes that don't really affect things. Mm-hmm. It was kind of like, well, is the show, does the show know what it's trying to do? <laughs> <laughs> um, that and, and coming off of the Zindi season, which, you know, was so interconnected, you know, almost everything that happened played, you know, played to the overarching story. I do feel like this season they're trying to bridge the gap between Enterprise and original series. Mm-hmm. And Definitely. Introducing aliens that were in the original series is a way to go about it. Mm-hmm. And I and I have noticed that they've started adding some sound effects from the original series mm-hmm. onto the uh Enterprise show. Mm-hmm. Well, we'll uh here in a couple of minutes we'll talk more about 
Well, spoiler alert, but we're going to talk about uh, reintroducing uh, characters or aliens from the original series. Yeah, we're going to take a little break, and uh, when we come back, we'll talk about Babel 1. Mm-hmm. UBN Friday. On Enterprise Interplanetary Relations. I've never had relations with a member of your species. Can be very intense. You have to respond in kind, otherwise they'll take offense. You people are even uglier than I remember. Now, they're puppets of a mysterious force that pits species against species. There will be bloodshed. And we're back. We're going to talk about Star Trek Enterprise Season 4, Episode 12, Babel 1. Original air date, January 28th, 2005. Take it away, Randy. All right. So this episode kicks off on the bridge of a starship in extreme distress. Uh, out from the debris on the bridge of the ship climbs none other than Shran. He's back. Our favorite Andorian. He can't keep him away. Wasn't I just recently saying that I hope we haven't seen the last of Shran? <laughs> and hey, just like they were listening to me in the past, the show delivered. Uh, he attempts to contact the Andorian Imperial Command to tell them that his ship, the Kamari, has been attacked by the Tellarites. Uh, but there is an imminent warp core breach, so he orders the surviving crew to abandon ship. And then we have our opening credits. Uh, we come back from the credits uh, to Archer and Hoshi in his ready room, arguing intensely. <laughs> and it turns out that she's actually prepping him for a meeting with Tellarite dignitaries, who sound like really great folks. <laughs> <laughs> I did think it was odd that we needed to introduce Tellarite customs when we've already seen Tellarites on this show. But Yes. But he was a bounty hunter, so... Yeah, well, I guess... They just wanted to try to pull the wool over our eyes, make us think that Hoshi and Archer were arguing. Because it's funny. Yeah, right. I guess. Yeah, right. Anyways, uh, she tells him that she wasn't joking when she said that he should put Porthos somewhere hidden, uh, because apparently the Tellarites like to eat dogs. So, little little tip there for you. Keep your, keep your puppies away from the Tellarites. Now we know something more about the Tellarites. Yeah, there you go. So that's a little, little bit extra for everyone. Uh, Enterprise arrives at Tellar Prime, homeworld of the Tellarites. Uh, it turns out that the Enterprise is going to be transporting Tellarite dignitaries to Babel, a neutral planet, to help mediate a trade dispute between the Tellarites and Andorians. A trip asks Archer why the Tellarites just don't take themselves because they have warp capabilities, uh, but it turns out that Babel is actually on the other side of Andorian space. They won't allow the Tellarites to travel across Andorian space. Uh, the Tellarites board Enterprise via shuttle pod, and they are just as pleasant as we remember. Uh, in the mess hall, uh, the Tellarites sulk around, while their ambassador, Grawl, tells Archer that he was actually hoping for some human food on this trip. Uh, you see, Chef has prepared a lot of Tellarite delicacies, which seem to have a lot of, like, peppers stuck to them. <laughs> <laughs> That's <laughs> how you know colorful. it's alien food. It's alien food. Uh, we find out that he doesn't, uh, you know, the Tellarites, of course, are very um, blunt 
in their speech and condescending and argumentative, uh, he tells Archer that he doesn't trust the humans to broker a deal uh, because they've actually fought alongside Andorians against the Zendi. But Archer pretty much tells him to deal with it. There's also a little bit where he kind of, Archer gets kind of chesty with Trip. And Trip's kind of like, ha ha, you're so funny, Captain Archer. And then Archer doesn't laugh. And like Trip's like, oh, okay. And then um, uh, Archer says something like, when in Rome. <laughs> <laughs> like trying to be funny. Anyways. <laughs> Uh, on the bridge of Enterprise, a distress call is received from the Komari. Uh, they change course in order to help. Uh, upon arriving at the source of the distress signal, they find the escape pods from the Komari and bring them on board. In the sick bay, we learn that only 19 of the 86 crew members of the Komari survived the attack. Uh, the ship Shran says, was escorting the Andorian ambassador to Babel. It was destroyed and all of the other dignitaries killed. Uh, Shran, needless to say, isn't happy to learn that there are Tellerites on board. In the armory, Reed tells Archer that an analysis of the Kamari's debris shows evidence of Tellerite weapon fire. T'Pol has been able to reconstruct data from the ship's logs, and it shows a Tellerite vessel attacking the Andorians. After taking all of this in, Archer orders the Enterprise to Andoria at maximum warp. Hmm. Yep. They still have Tellerites on board. Yeah, this might not go so well. <gasps> when Archer confronts him with the evidence, Grawl swears that his people had nothing to do with the attack, and he obviously is worried that his party will be arrested once they reach Andoria. In Archer's dining room, he and Tran share a bottle, as is their custom, it seems, of Andorian ale uh, while discussing the situation. Uh, as they're conversing, T'Pol calls and informs Archer that there is an Andorian vessel approaching. Uh, after refusing to answer the Enterprise's hails, the Andorian ship attacks Enterprise. Shran enters the ship's shield generator coordinates and Enterprise's targeting computer at Reed's request, but despite a direct hit, nothing happens. Uh, despite the ship's shields not being uh, taken out, uh, its power grid does start to fluctuate, and it retreats. Uh, in Enterprise's briefing room, uh, Shran tells Archer that the ship's shields were not configured in the way of a typical Andorian vessel. Uh, Ambassador Grawl accuses the Andorians of luring Enterprise into a trap. Uh, the Andorian and Tellerite start fighting, so Mako's need to restrain them. Uh, later on the bridge, uh, Shran is shown energy signal signatures of the vessels that attacked the Kamari and the Enterprise. It turns out they're identical, uh, despite it being a Tellerite ship in one case and an Andorian ship in the other. Hmm. 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 Enterprise has detected the vessel's warp trail, and Archer inten intends to pursue it. Uh, Shran is worried about his crew's safety, as uh, some are very badly injured, but agrees with Archer. Uh, in the mess hall, Archer and T'Pol are dining together. Uh, he tells her he's having second thoughts about getting involved in this whole Tellerite Andorian dispute in the first place. I mean, obviously, they were just, like, attacked. Uh, she tells him uh, she counters by telling him about her marriage being over. Uh, she also says something about um, it being, you know, 
similar to uh, Vulcan Earth relations at some point. Although I guess they didn't attack each other. Uh, just then, uh, it's Archer's uh, interrupted once again while conversing with someone uh, because Reed calls with word that the enemy ship has been located. Uh, and speaking of the alien ship, uh, we get to see presumably inside of it, and there are Romulans. Uh oh. Yeah, so, um, you know, we saw a Romulan at the end of the whole Forge story arc, and now they're back. So yep. it looks like, uh, you know, Romulans are part of Star Trek universe already, even though they weren't introduced until later. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, let's just roll with it. They're working from the shadows. They're Yeah, right. yeah, yeah. The Romulans are all shadowy. They're in the shadows, and they know that Enterprise is pursuing them. Uh, back on the Enterprise, on the bridge, uh, the crew sees that the enemy vessel looks nothing like an Andorian ship and nothing like a Tellarite ship. Um, Archer orders a team of Makos uh, to beam over and check it out. Uh, they get over there, but they find that the life support on the ship isn't functioning, so they also send Trip over to fix it, because Trip can fix anything. When they were doing this, I had a note. I had a note. Will mm-hmm. they encounter Romulans? Right. They're beaming over to a, a Romulan ship. Yeah. And, well, they don't, but that would have been really weird <laughs> <laughs> given everything. Unless they, you know, unless they were like the Organians and they wiped their memories or something. Yeah. That's know. what I was thinking was going to happen. <laughs> or there'll be a time warp or something. Uh, well, we're back wherever the Romulans are. And the commander orders his subordinate to rig the ship's warp core to explode so it doesn't fall into Federation hands. Uh, Trip finds what he thinks is a computer terminal on the ship, uh, but there's no power, so he asks to Paul for help. Uh, just as he's linking up his scanner, the ship starts moving and opens fire on Enterprise. Uh, Enterprise attempts to beam the away team back, but can only do so one at a time. They get the two Makos back on board, but Trip and Reed are still trapped there. Uh, Enterprise begins taking heavy damage and must retreat. Uh, Back on the alien vessel, the Romulan vessel, uh, there's still no life support. Uh, Trip and Reed decide to head for the bridge where they think there will be some. Uh, back with the Romulans, wherever they may be, uh, we learn... Well, I that... think we're supposed to assume they're on that ship. Right, right. Well, back back to the Romulans. Uh, we actually learn that the vessel is a drone ship, uh, and they intend to use it to search for and destroy Enterprise. Uh, we have a Captain Starlog, uh, where we learn that the Enterprise's battle damage has been fixed, and they are resuming their search for the vessel. Uh, Tabal tells Archer that there's a possibility the ship could be Romulan, uh, since it uses beridium cells uh, like those they encountered in the minefield in... Uh, and I had a note here to look up the name of the episode. But uh, there was a, a minefield in a previous episode um, that where, where uh, they used similar... Uh, power cells. Uh, in the season the two episode, Minefield. Oh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> the, uh, the, the, uh, the very conveniently named episode, Minefield. Archer thinks that uh, maybe the Romulans could be involved if they fear an alliance between the Andorians and Tellarites, and this may have prompted an attack. But so, so the Romulans are talked about, but 
I guess they're just very mysterious. Right. They still have no idea what the Romulans look like. They just know that Romulans have these types of weapons. Mm-hmm. And they've not seen a Romulan ship, so this could be a Romulan ship. Uh, back on the alien ship, the Romulan ship, Trip and Reed are running out of oxygen. Uh, but they thankfully managed to find the fuel tank for a thruster uh, that has oxygen in it that they can use to uh, top off their tanks. Uh, on Enterprise, Talus, uh, the female Andorian from previous episodes, and uh, Shran's new paramour, uh, tries to seduce a Mako, but he's having none of it. Uh, so she kicks his ass. <laughs> a pretty, pretty cool fight scene. Uh, after she does that, uh, she and Shran leave their quarters and run off into the ship. Uh, the Romulans uh, discover Trip and Reed on board the drone ship after they notice uh, the fuel tank is leaking or has <laughs> diminished capacity. Uh, they then perform evasive maneuvers in an attempt to what I assume is kill Trip and Reed. Uh, but they have magne- magnetic boots. And so I guess that helps somehow. <laughs> they don't go flying around anymore after they stick to the deck. Uh, back on Enterprise, Talus and Shran, or Shran, sorry, I don't want to call him Shran, uh, battle some Makos, uh, as they make their way through the ship and enter the Tellarite quarters, ready to blast them. Uh, on the bridge of Enterprise, T'Pol has discovered that the vessel, uh, is actually covered in holographic projectors that are designed to make it, uh, so that it can look like any vessel they want. Uh, it also uses triphasic emitters as beam weapons that can simulate other weapons. Hmm. So it's, uh, I'm guessing this, you know, that's how they did all this. <laughs> it's pretty advanced uh, for this time period. Yeah. Uh, and it's also a very specialized ship. Apparently. <laughs> uh, Archer is informed of the firefight on the ship. Uh, kind of late. I noted, um, you know, like they've already beat up some Makos and been shooting at people. And then they're like, Hey, Archer, uh, there's people fighting on your ship. Uh, and he orders the deck they're on to be sealed off and heads there himself. Uh, in the Tellarite's quarters, Shrant accuses them of being behind the disappearance of several Andorian ships. Uh-oh. Uh, Archer arrives and disarms Shran, but not before the other Tellarite shoots Talus. Uh, fortunately, it's a minor wound and she'll be okay. I thought Shran was going to bust a tear there for a second. Um, back on board the drone trip, the drone ship, Trip and Reed reach the bridge, but surprise, there's no one there. Uh, we cut to the Romulans, and the, the camera pulls back to reveal that they are on Romulus. So they've been piloting it remotely, obviously, the yeah. whole time. Um, Very convenient way to avoid encountering Romulans. Yeah, and I also made a note that said, Unless you're a fan and you know a lot about the Romulans and Romulus, you wouldn't know where they are. <laughs> just some you just planet. know that they're on a planet. Yeah. But it's it's Romulus, if you've seen other Star Trek. Uh, yeah, and that's the end of the episode of part one. Um, yeah, I mean, it's cool to see the Romulans doing some stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, this episode had a very similar setup to Star Trek VI, The Undiscovered Country, mm-hmm. uh, in that in it an experimental ship was used to frame one party against the other uh, during peace talks. That's right. And this is also, 
Uh, well, there's an episode of the original series <laughs> that involves uh, the Tellarites and the Andorians, uh, which is called Journey to Babel. And it is, it's actually the episode where they introduce Spock's father. Um, and so it does have has a similar setup to that episode as well. So it's kind of a mishmash of things. Um, All classic Trek, though. Yeah. <laughs> it's a it's a mishmash of uh, of classic Trek. So, um, yeah. So what, what thoughts? What, what do you think? I mean, uh, it's it's part one of three, I think. So. Yeah. I mean, this uh, season has been about three parters a lot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, it's good to see Shran back. I don't really care for the Tellarites. Um, <laughs> we were, that's kind of the point, right? Yeah, but we were already inclined to like Shran and be on his side because mm-hmm. we've met him several times and he's awesome. Yeah. Um, the, it would have been nice to do more to endear us to the Tellarites. Mm-hmm. Um, or at least, at least let us see their point of view a little bit or, you know. I mean, I, I think you can also, you can have kind of like grumpy, you know, kind of unlikable characters that are also likable. Yeah. Uh, if they were just more fun or funny, it would mm-hmm. have been a little bit better. Um, I do like the references to older uh, seasons of mm-hmm. Enterprise. Um, like you said, Minefield being one of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Bounty is the season two episode. Of Bounty is where we were introduced to the Tellarites in this show. Mm-hmm. And uh, there's a reference to Shuttle Pod One because uh, Trip references that Reed said that he liked Paul's bum. Oh right, right. Yeah, because there's a there's a moment where he kind of asks about their relationship, mm-hmm. and he's kind of like, "Why? You know, you looking to get it <laughs> get it on this or something? I don't know." <laughs> Um, yeah, which was another episode in which Trip and Reed were low on oxygen. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, I, you know, I'm, I'm, I've, I've got to say it, it did, it's, you know, as, as a classic Trek fan, you know, it, it, it was an homage to a classic Trek, Trek episode, which also kind of had a mystery in it of like, oh, you know, did this person really do this thing? And then they had to figure it out. But it's also, you know, it's it's kicking off a three-parter, um, and it has me interested to see what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to see more Romulan stuff. I, I mm-hmm. mean, that was the whole point of introducing the Romulans at this point, was to mm-hmm. bring a familiar villain into this show. Right. And, and so far, you know, the one thing I am missing from the, last season was that last season had this really strong, consistent thread through it uh, from beginning to end, Mm -hmm. which was the Zendi. I mean, you know, even when they had kind of one-off episodes, it still was framed in this, you know, they're in the expanse. Um, Whereas this season so far is a little bit all over the place. Yes. Um, It doesn't have a very consistent thread to it. Much more episodic. um, But with these, you know, these, like these mini story arcs. So, I feel like, and it's it's a shame that this is the final season. I keep mentioning that a lot, but I feel like the show's really trying to find itself this season, uh, more so than ever. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't know if we're gonna. I am thinking we're not gonna get that because this was actually uh, when I was reading some of the show notes. This was actually the um, episode uh, after which they found out they're being canceled. Mm. Um. And, and, but, you know, un, unlike a lot of shows where they, you know, it's canceled, they actually got to, to ride out their final season. 
Um, and I don't know how that's going to affect things going forward. Obviously, they had a three-parter planned here, so it's, you know, it, it, they couldn't just take a completely different direction after this episode. Uh, they had to wrap it up, but it will, should be interesting to see what happens after this, this uh, story arc is over. Yeah, to see where they take things now that they know that they're being canceled. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, the, the episodic nature of it is... I mean, it's very original series, very next generation. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I do wonder if maybe they got some complaints about the Zindi arc in that if you missed an episode, you felt like you were missing a big chunk of the story. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but, yeah. I mean, it's, it's something that shows always run into, especially at this point in the early 2000s. Yeah. Uh, where they didn't have the really long narrative mm-hmm. uh, shows as often. Right. Right, there there wasn't a Battlestar Galactica yet. <laughs> uh, twenty four was uh, like already around, but mm-hmm. yeah, but they they hadn't really done sci fi like that, or at least on network television. Yeah, yeah, I I like I said, I, I think you know I could say I'm really I'm interested and excited to see where this this story arc goes. Um, you know, I I think there should be some interesting stuff coming up because. I mean, for all intents and purposes, this could have been a one-off episode. Right. If they just, if they had an ending to it somehow. Yeah, they just clear it up and say, oh no, it's the Romulans. Mm-hmm. Yeah, or it's an unknown species. Right. And we've dealt with it, let's move on. Let's let's head on to Babel. Um, yeah, so the next two episodes are the continuation of this mm-hmm. story arc. Uh, the... Two episodes we're going to talk about next time are United and the ANR. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, thanks for listening, everybody, and we'll talk to you later. Bye. time to enterprise witness star trek history the beginnings of the federation these four species have never cooperated as far as i know no one's ever tried to get them together before but to keep the alliance together there will be one small sacrifice basically it's a duel to the death the combatants fight with these i'm going to have to kill him not today So, Randy, we both saw Star Trek Beyond. Yeah. So we should talk about it. Oh, we definitely should. Yeah, so you actually saw it twice. I saw it twice. Uh, I think that can tell you how I feel about it. <laughs> you, you, uh, you, after two viewings, you've been able to form, uh, form at least some thoughts yeah. on the film. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you were paying attention, you know, at least half of the time in each <laughs> showing, right? Yeah, I, I think I talk about uh, how I feel about it too, but I'm, I'm gonna say, uh, as the person who saw it twice, I'm interested to hear your thoughts more than my own again. Uh, I really, 
really liked it. Oh, okay. and, and warning for the listeners, this will be filled with spoilers. So yeah. if, you, if you haven't seen it yet, just know that I really, really liked it. Yeah, there's there's no real way to, to not spoil it. I mean, the, the trailers, I think there are two main trailers, and I don't feel that they really gave away very much in the trailers. No, um, they, they didn't. They kept it all pretty mysterious as to what what's happening and, like, why the Enterprise gets kind of, um, well, I guess it gets captured in a way. The crew gets captured. <laughs> right. Okay, so... <laughs> That was fair warning. Now we're yeah, getting yeah. into the, the main discussion. Yeah, so go for it. Uh, I really liked it. It felt... Uh, Star Trek Beyond feels like an episode of Star Trek. Uh, this has been mm-hmm. said many times before, but... Uh, and I think that's great. Uh, the characters in this movie feel... Or the actors seem to feel very comfortable in the roles in oh, this movie. Yeah, yeah definitely. Um, I think... Uh, kind of branching off of that, uh, one of the, the thoughts I had after I saw it was that they, it seemed like individual characters just had a lot more screen time in this movie. Um, whereas the, the last two, uh, Kelvin universe ones were, um, just Spock and Kirk, basically. Right. Everyone had something to do. But anyway, sorry. Sorry to derail you there. No, no, that's fine. Uh, yeah. And, uh, I mean, unfortunately, it was very sad because Chekhov had some great moments in this movie. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. And we're not going to get those anymore. But yeah. um, I'm glad we got what we got because it was great to see him actually have something to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like you, said, like, the con the, and, you know. like you said, the characters all had stuff to do this time. Mm-hmm. Uh, Sulu actually had a lot to do, which was great. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think, you know, it was a smart move um, to split them up the way they did. And it made sense why they were split up the way they did. I think that, that the whole kind of premise of the film did a really good job of, of you know, kind of organically separating them like that. And mm-hmm. then giving them a reason to come back together. Um. Yeah, so. Scotty hang out with Jayla was great. Yeah. Oh, and J- and, and Jayla, I mean, I thought she was super too. Mm-hmm. I mean, a really I, cool new character. I'm really looking forward to seeing her Starfleet or post Starfleet adventures. Yeah, and I'm or not really Starfleet sure. Starfleet Academy, I mean. Yeah, I'm not really sure how they'll they'll handle that and I do hope that, you know, when then eventually the next movie happens that she returns for it uh in some way. Um I don't know, they'll handle it. I, you know, part of me was almost thinking, you know, the way they'll, they'll handle kind of the unfortunate, you know, passing of, of Anton Yelchin would be to say like, oh yeah, well, you know, he went to, he went with her to Starfleet Academy to, uh, to teach or something, you know, like to, to become an instructor at Starfleet Academy. And that, that's the way they'd kind of explain his absence. But, um, I think, uh, the other really cool thing about, about her character, um, was that she didn't exist to well for on the one for one thing she wasn't like a love interest for Kirk right which I think you know the, the, given the trailer was like kind of focused on the two of them being in, in scenes together I was just like uh oh I can kind of you know and knowing Kirk I can kind of tell where this is going but it like luckily it subverted that uh the stuff with crawl crawl let's talk about crawl. Let's talk about Crawl. He's a he's a more interesting character than I would have thought. Oh, 
for sure when he's first introduced it was just like oh he's the big bad and he's mm -hmm. after this artifact and he's destroying the enterprise Mm -hmm. um and no it turns out uh there's a lot more to him and they did it in a better way than they did with Khan in into darkness so yeah oh i agree and and i almost feel like in a way he was con like a better con than we got in into darkness yeah because he wanted to get back at humanity and starfleet yeah crawl had a good motivation for his for his actions um yeah he was this starfleet captain and he got abandoned and he wanted to go back to the time before Starfleet when he was in the Makos and Yeah. So that was I was gonna bring that up. That was really interesting. So he was a Mako and they actually I mean this is this is all very non sequitur, but basically, yeah, he was a Mako and they referenced the Zendi conflict. Yep, and he had fought in the Zendi conflict. Which means he must have been on Enterprise. Right? Uh yeah. I mean he was like I guess we're to assume he was like an unseen Mako or in the Kelvin universe enterprise. There were other Makos. <laughs> well, the Kelvin universe doesn't happen until after enterprise. Oh, right. Right. So I guess we're, we're just assume that he was part of enterprise and he was a Mako. We never saw because there actually were a lot of them. Mm-hmm. Just, I mean, especially when I think they were training the enterprise crew on how to be better shots or whatever. We saw that there were a lot of Makos. So, Let's just imagine that he was one of them. Yeah, Balthazar Edison, the, the, the Mako, is just what hanging out. What a great out. name, too. They, <laughs> they always come up with these great names for Starfleet captains. They ended the Mako program, and they made him a captain of the first Warp 4 ship, mm-hmm. which is a predecessor to Enterprise, which is the first Warp 5 ship. Mm-hmm. So I guess, again, we're to think that that was built before before Enterprise. We just never heard of it before. Right. Although mm-hmm. it is weird that Enterprise is... Is the NX01 mm-hmm. and the Franklin was NX something else. I can't remember. Oh. Yeah, we'll just go with it. <laughs> I just thought it was cool after we've spent so much time now watching Enterprise that it got like kind of canonized in the films. I mean, is it like kind of the first time? No, Archer's been mentioned before and Porthos. Yes. Uh, huh. Scotty, you had been trying to get Porthos out of uh, like the transporter issue or something like like Porthos had been transported away and then was lost in the ether. Yeah, kind of like uh, in the recent episode we watched. Yeah, but that was a human, Daedalus. Yeah. In Daedalus, but yeah, I mean, it was it's cool to see. It's interesting that the the, the Abrams universe movie or the Calvin universe movies have have uh, paid some some respect to Enterprise, even in small ways. Uh, the Franklin is the NX three two six. That was going to bother me if I didn't look it up. Oh, okay. Well, yeah, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense, but oh well. Uh, it was cool to see an Enix ship, though. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm flying around with that. That kind of design, and yeah, that very retro retro feel. That It was almost, I, I made a mental note while I was watching, that it was almost like um, the the kind of dirty future of Star Wars, but mm-hmm. in a Star Trek movie. Yeah, yeah. Which you haven't really seen before. Um, that was cool. Um, All this stuff, it was... I mean, it was perfect timing for us because we're watching Enterprise and there's all these references to Enterprise. Yeah, for sure. Um, it was very Macrossy. Okay. Which I enjoyed. Okay. Uh, how, how so? So so catch me up on that. I mean, I'm, I'm familiar with Macross. Uh-huh. 
so in their uniforms when they land on the planet, or specifically Kirk and Chekhov's uniforms. Oh, yeah, that's, for sure. That's pretty much straight out of Macross Plus. Yeah, I mean, they're incredibly similar to the... And I remember thinking that when I saw the first trailer. I'm like, these look like the Macross. Or, you know, for those of you who aren't familiar, Robotech? Uh, <laughs> Google, Google it, and you'll see what we mean. Google that, and then uh, Star Trek Beyond Uniforms. Uh, and then, uh, they fought Crawl's forces with music. Oh my gosh, that's, that's true. And it like blew through them, mm-hmm. like, like music. Okay, okay. I'm, I'm with you on that. I mean, they that's... sabotaged them, if you will. Yeah, they did. <laughs> and there was like a wave. They like rode a space wave of drones. Yeah. That was one of the sillier parts of the movie. I mean, that was a little silly, I guess, but <laughs> I, I, it worked better than I would have thought. Right, right. They definitely pulled it off better than, than I expected. Because in the first trailer, they play sabotage and you're like, oh, what is what this? Is, what is going on here? But, but then, they worked it in. Yeah, they worked into the movie and it, and it worked as a scene. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, I was actually thinking, though, back to what you said about it feeling like an episode of the show. It really did. Um, and more, definitely more so than the, than the two previous movies. Um, those felt like movies. Mm-hmm. Um, this felt like it could have existed as a really cool episode of the show. Um, I also just had these great, like, these great new things, like getting to see what at least this Starbase looks like in this universe, this Star Trek universe. It was amazing. It's yeah. just this massive city in space. You know, I've never seen anything like that in Star Trek. Mm-hmm. Um, just the scale that it was built at and the, just how, um, you know, just how grand it was, was, was really interesting. The way you know, the, hear- the, the way the city, the buildings were set up, uh, reminded me a lot of Gundam. Uh, oh, really? They have yeah, their I'll bases have to go look within. At that. They have the bases within giant cylinders, essentially, and the cities mm. are wrapped around inside. Oh, okay. Well, I'll have to check that out. Um, but that's interesting. So it's like definitely some anime influence in this movie. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's not a bad thing. I, oh, I no, enjoyed it a lot. Not at all. I mean, there's a reason why, you know, there's so many famous uh, sci-fi anime. And getting to see that worked into a Star Trek movie is really cool. Yeah. Um, also, uh, you know, this back into, into spoiler territory and talking about Crawl again. But, um, you know, I, I definitely, when I heard that Idris Elba had been cast as as the main villain, um, you know, I thought, wow, you know, you can't really see him under all that makeup. Um, you know, oh, that's cool. Yeah, I like Idris Elba, but, you know, it's, it's like, why? You could have cast anyone. Like, why cast him, you know? And, uh, I, I thought that the way they handled his, like, kind of reveal, his, like, de-evolution at the end of the movie was super cool. Mm-hmm. Um, I was not expecting that. that. That was the thing. There was a lot of surprises in this movie. Yeah. I was not expecting a lot of what happened. Um, you know, and their, their explanation, you know, but there, oh, so one thing that kind of confused me, and maybe since you've seen it twice, you can kind of clue me in on this, but, um, it almost made it seem when there was some, there were recordings from the Franklin that made it seem like they got rescued. Um, I, what the, was that? The, what was that video? Because it looked like shuttlecraft were landing and it was pretty cool because they were like enterprise era shuttlecrafts. Yeah. That was not, uh, them getting rescued. That was just kind of them, uh, just maybe meeting some people that were landing 
Uh, I, ah. I don't think it was connected to their... Okay, to because their... I was thinking, wait, if they're getting rescued, then, like, why is he still there? Why is he so upset? Did they forget him? <laughs> He's like the Star Trek version of The Martian. No, it was it, it was not related. It was Happier okay, Times. Okay. It was just oh, showing Happier, happier times. times. Okay, interesting. So, uh, I would say... My my one major, it's not really even a disappointment that I had with the movie was, and I don't know if, if with a Star Trek movie you can, especially in modern times, you can really get away with, get away from this. But I've realized that you know in this film and in the previous two Calvin films, um, you have basically you know you have bad person bent on destroying everything and the enterprise has to stop them mm-hmm. um i don't know if audiences movie you know movie going audiences in this day and age would go in for something like you know going back in time to get a whale to you know save the earth or you know even that was you know the earth was going to be destroyed but um you know i i, I kind of hope that you know, maybe in the next movie, it's something a little different than just like a, a a bad guy, you know, that they have to defeat. Well, the next one seems to involve time travel. Mm, uh, be- really? Uh, they it was weird because Beyond hadn't even come out and JJ was already talking about the next movie. OK, uh, the next yeah. movie is going to have Chris Hemsworth in it OK, as George Kirk. OK, so I think. It must be time travel. Yeah, it must or... be either Kirk, either James T. Kirk is going to go back in time to maybe save his dad mm-hmm. or his dad is somehow pulled forward in time. Okay. Well, interesting. We'll have to see. But uh, yeah, it should be interesting to, to, to see how they do that. Uh, I do hope that Justin Lin stays on as the mm-hmm. director for the next one. I think he did a really good job uh, oh, yeah. with the action and the way things were set up in this movie. Well, he really captured the the right vibe, I think. Mm-hmm. It was a um, fun movie. Mm-hmm. It was a fun movie, and and you know, it's kind of like you know, but it was like with the past Star Trek movies. You're like, okay, you're used to what the TV shows are like, but you know, when you go to a movie like movie format, you know, it has to be something that wraps up, and you know in two hours and you want it to be like this concentrated experience or maybe do things you can't do on TV. Mm-hmm. And this movie had a lot of things you couldn't afford to do on, on TV. Right. So yeah, I, I really liked it and I'm looking forward to watching it many more times. Um, I, I would have, how would you, how would you place it kind of among the Calvin universe movies and then, if if you dare among the all Star Trek films. Oh, that one's gonna be tough. Among yeah, among so Kelvin Universe, it's definitely above Into Darkness. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it's above the first one. Mm. Um I don't know. It's hard to think. But I mean it's hard to rank I, that. I would put it that way. So yeah, I put it in that order. And then I'm not really sure how, how it fits in. Uh, it's in the half. it's in the upper It's in the top. It's yeah. in the upper half for sure. Yeah, for sure. 
It's in the upper in the upper portion. Yeah, it's among the best Star Trek movies. I'll put, I'll just say that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, if nothing else, it made me really excited about Star Trek again. Um, mm-hmm. Watching Enterprise week to week is a nice way to get your Star Trek fix. Mm-hmm. But this something about Beyond was just got me so into star trek again oh yeah i think that's a good way to put it um it was very concentrated star trek and it it really touched on kind of the best parts of star trek and uh reminded me a lot of you know why i like star trek so much um and uh yeah i think it was a great companion to the anniversary the huge anniversary this year Mm mm-hmm I mean, it was a great way to celebrate Star Trek in its 50th year. I mean, they even had that photo that referenced the old crew. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think, you know, there there was definitely some skepticism. There was concern around it, I think, because they've been very um, stingy, <laughs> I think, with promotion of the movie. Yeah, it was weird. They hadn't promoted that much. And there was all those talks about all those reshoots that needed to be done. Mm-hmm. And they had pushed back the uh, release date a little bit. Mm-hmm. And so uh, people were nervous. And I'm... people were not confident about Justin Lin because he's only known for the Fast and Furious movies. Mm-hmm. Oh, I think he did a great job. Yeah, I think the whole thing came together really well. Yeah, and I mean, unless there's something we don't really know about. I mean, it, it seems like it came together really well. Um it would be it'd be interesting to know, you know, a little bit more about what they reshot or what they added. Um, but uh, no, I I can't fault it. <laughs> and even though it wasn't a J.J. Abrams directed movie, Greg Grimberg still found a way to be in the movie. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he, he was pretty prominent in there. Uh, yeah. So overall, great movie. I uh-huh. definitely want to see it again. Yeah. Would watch again, and I'm probably gonna rewatch the uh, all the Kelvin first movies. Yeah, I kind of want to do a little mini marathon once this comes out on video. Mm-hmm. Awesome! So it's a good time to be a Trek fan. Absolutely. 